there's anything I can tell you, it's that the best place to hide is in your mind. Welcome, Ghoul Gang, to another awkward intro from Tyler on the best uh, extra show that I do for one of the shows that I do between Lewis and Lovecraft. Welcome to Correspondence. That was so long-winded. Listeners, you you got to know by now, I don't like this. I need it scripted, and Hannah's not here to script it, so uh, just making it up as I go. Anyway, welcome to the show where I force people on the internet to pretend to be my friends until they think that they are my friends for real, and then it works, and, and I've hypnotized them into being uh, talking to me after we stop recording. It's great. And on today's episode, we have a true wild catch someone who listened to our show reached out and actually liked us enough to want to talk to us <laughs> without me trying to do too much to get him on uh welcome to the show patrick how's it going man thank you very good i have so much to say about that intro first of all thank you for comparing me to a pokemon yep. that's the first time that somebody's ever like categorized what kind of pokemon pokey pokemon i am a wild catch. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I thought that you were going to say I trick people into becoming my friends until they actually think that they're my friends. And then I break their hearts. <laughs> I thought you were going to go. But maybe that's just like the writer in me. I yeah. want to like, have twist. like that midpoint twist. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. I'm I'm pretty optimistic. And I uh, and I and I don't want to lose the friends that I have. I slowly amass <laughs> around me. So. Uh, no, no heartbreaking. Hopefully, no heartbreaking. Um, Patrick, you are an uh, you are a writer. You are a poet. You're a musician. Um, you you have a you have published work. You have a pen name. Like you're you're doing it, man. Uh, tell tell our audience about yourself a little bit. And introduce yourself to the Ghoul Gang. The Ghoul Gang. What's up, guys? Um, my name's Pat or Patrick, either one. Um, the only reason I go by P.S. Patton in my writing life is because I, I do kind of have a lot of facets. Um, I am a photographer and have my own photography business, and uh, I have uh, a music kind of semi like fake career. And then uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot of different things that I do. And so I, at some point, you kind of have to like break them up. And then the other side of that is that patrickpatton.com has been taken like my entire life by this musician uh who i really envy that he has that <laughs> <laughs> that domain name so and like pretty much every variation of my name is taken yeah. so i thought okay i i don't want to have like patrick patton like fantasy author or some super long thing i know that some people do that but i just i don't know i i wanted to keep it short yeah. And just my name. So that's why I decided to go with a pen name. But then also PS is like a literary kind of right. term anyway. So I was like, okay, it kind of works. Plus C.S. Lewis is kind of like my yeah, first man. like literary love. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it, I, I go. C.S. I don't know. It just worked for me. <laughs> I do. Uh, for my pen name, I do T.W. Clausen. And it was because of, of Lewis as cool. well. Um, mm -hmm. so, and I think that's a pretty, all common the cool thing. cats do it. Yeah. I think it's really common, <laughs> uh, especially nowadays it's becoming kind of like the standard of like having those initials and then the last name, because the last name can be so gripping 
Um, and it's usually so much, it's more distinctive than, you know, not to say your name's not cool, but it's more distinctive than Patrick, right? Like Patton, you know, Are you and, saying that my name's not cool. I, no, I, that's not what I mean. <laughs> my name's Tyler. No, I got named after a truck. All right. I, <laughs> my I, brother's I, name is Tyler. So oh, yeah, you're yeah. My my parents legitimately they were just driving along. I've heard two stories for my name. First, they were driving along, they were arguing about my name, and then a truck goes by and it said Tyler Co. on it or something <laughs> like that. And they're like, "Oh, Tyler's a good name. Let's just go with that." Uh, or uh, my mom was just walking through the store, and she heard some mom screaming at her child who was also named Tyler. And I was like, "Why would you do that? You." That's a terrible <laughs> decision, like to name your <laughs> your coming child after oh, an Henri little it's unique, brat. Though. Um, yeah, it's all right. I that guess. feels like the, like a Stephen King uh, explanation of a name. Oh yeah, origin. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Stephen King always has these like super random. Um, like I was thinking about this. I think about weird things. <laughs> I was thinking about like the types of songs that I put into my novels or, you know, like the, the types of um, random things happening in the scenery. And a lot of times authors will, will make that whatever's happening, very symbolic of what's going on in the character's life. And I feel like Stephen King just chooses either randomly or maybe it's on purpose. Maybe it is to like, I don't know. It'll be like some, like ZZ Top song was playing. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to me like there's any real connection there other than it's just a cool song yeah. or it just has a cool beat. I don't know. Yeah, I I, just... I get it. His his style of writing is very like grounded in the does this mean something, but then it like doesn't, you know, it, it mm -hmm. kind of plays on it almost parodies that when he when he does stuff like that. Um, yeah, it is almost like it, it's it's almost like he's poking fun at life yeah yeah absolutely the the meaningless of of life of like there's no yes, reason exactly it doesn't really like the, that's why i say it. it's not it's not like random i feel like he does it on purpose like let's find the most almost like you know how um i wrote a screenplay a while back where i had this uh love scene and then uh, leonard cohen's hallelujah comes on and then Zack snyder did it in Watchmen, uh -huh. and i was like dang it <laughs> and uh <laughs> and it was it was supposed to be kind of like um love is not the right word for that scene mm. um it was so it's very sardonic um and i feel like that's kind of what he does a lot of the time you know where he, it's like something gnarly is happening and he's playing some like cool little catchy tune sure yeah you know it's like uh it kind of contrasts the the weight of what is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I'm uh, sorry, I brought it somewhere really strange and random <laughs> right to begin with. No, it's totally. I do fine. that sometimes. Uh, I I've uh, I've done uh, episodes of this show where it has been very formulaic. We have to hit every single beat, and I've done episodes of the show where we didn't touch the topic that we had originally come to sit down and talk about at all so um anywhere in between there it's perfectly fine with me cool. uh we're here to just chat well, I f i'm afraid i might have just like swept the legs out from under beat number one <laughs> <laughs> well well tell me about you you found our show and and 
not that I yeah. need not that I need the accolades, but I'm just wondering like what was it that you liked about our show that you wanted to be on it? So I'm always I, I used to drive like a ton for work. Um I live in Paso Robles, Cal well, I live in Templeton now. I just moved to Templeton. It's a tiny little town right next to Paso Robles where I went to high school. So I've I've been in Paso Robles for a long time. And I used to drive from there to Monterey like three to five times a week, which is two hours away and and back every day for work. Mm -hmm. So I'd spend about four hours in the car every day and I would listen I would just devour podcasts. And then I would drive to LA a lot for work too, which is about three to four hours, depending on what part of LA. So yeah, I would just burn through podcasts. And so at some point I kind of um you know well, always I was always running out of podcasts to listen to. So I'd yeah. just start listening or searching for anything to do with writing, anything to do with um Christianity, like yeah. uh, Bible studies, stuff like that, anything to do with uh music or uh photography. I mean, I have all kinds of interests, but um, at one point I was looking for something to do with writing and then I would kind of go through all the writing podcasts and I get bored of them. Cause I'm a little bit like ADD sometimes. Sure. And so, uh, I would start looking for something a little more specific. Like one day I think I was just going like, I want to like find something that's talking about like the space trilogy by CS Lewis. Mm -hmm. Um, I, there's gotta be something out there. Somebody out there is doing a podcast on the space trilogy. Right. And, um, so I think I searched like CS Lewis. Yeah. And you guys came up and I think I, I usually kind of like look at the description. Oh, cool. It's like Christian fantasy and, you know, Lewis to Lovecraft. All right. I've never let at any Lovecraft, which I should, but I haven't <laughs> you yet. You should. Yeah, for sure you should. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I love Lewis. So subscribed and just started listening. And yeah, it's been fun cool man really like you guys dynamic i really like the i love like getting to learn about these authors that i had no idea about their life or it just i don't know even authors like you did one on stephanie myers where like i don't i haven't read those books i don't care but it was so interesting to like find out about this girl who like you know find out about her life that's its own story yeah it was really entertaining you know yeah. what i mean yeah absolutely. so so yeah it was fun i mean Isaac Asimov. I used to like when I was younger, I'd play um, chess with myself on the computer and it was Isaac Asimov chess. And I've always just wondered, who is that dude? Yeah. And then I listened to your episodes where you're talking about his life and it's like, whoa, this, <laughs> this is a cool dude. I need to check out some of his short fiction. Yeah, for real. I, I highly recommend uh, Caves of Steel. Um, and I know uh, one of our, our longtime listeners, our patrons, uh, Devani, she just started the foundation series because we did the Isaac Asimov and she says that she really likes it. So um, she says it's, cool. it is comparable with Lord of the Rings and there's a reason why it beat Lord of the Rings for the Hugo award that year. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's huge coming from her. So I, I think it's, it's really interesting that we can even beyond what we're able to gather in the, in the couple weeks that we have of research, like there's so much more, that we can expand on and, and go into, but we just don't have the time because we want to touch on so many different subjects. And I get so pulled off of, of the rails with my random thoughts and jokes and things. And, <laughs> um, so it's, it's yeah. really fun to do as, as a show. And, and, but yeah, it, it is all about, for me, it's all about learning 
more about these people so that I can learn how to be a better writer. And it gives me an excuse. Like, it gives me an excuse to read stories like Twilight, where Mm -hmm. I would never read Twilight, ever. And... Um, and I, and I am able to go and buy it and consume it and, um, go, I think this is better than most people give it credit for. And if I was to just do that, just as a whatever person, everyone would be like, whatever, you're dumb. It's a dumb book. You're just a weird guy who likes Twilight. But me as the podcaster who's like doing the research and I'm using air quotes here, doing the research, like I'm I'm trying to formulate an idea that's worth bringing to a podcast and being honest with myself and not just not just being like, yeah, yeah, it's totally it's shit. You know, it's written bad. <laughs> like, no, it she did the she did the work. It was great. Um, oh, yeah. Even if I don't like the book, it's still whatever. And and then, you know, um, learning about people and their processes that's that's the big thing for me um because i'm still trying to figure that out for myself and and give myself the um not the excuse but kind of the give myself the the model that i can take into my own career as a writer Um, right so so let's let's jump into that you've you've written some work and you've actually been published now right in an anthology which yeah. is a big deal and you've got more work coming so so tell us about yeah that. i do so yeah i uh i i don't know i've always written since as far back as i can remember really i was writing comic books and drawing comic books and they were terrible i was <laughs> never really like <laughs> i don't know i never had that like comic style with my drawings they were always like they would always come out so much more dramatic and trying they they look too real to mm. be like comic-y yeah. you know what i mean yeah but they don't look real enough to be like realism and wow that's good it was like no matter how much i tried to be a comic book artist i could not go down that lane my drawings always went down the lane of what i actually saw like realism right and i even when I would try so hard, to, I'm gonna make a cartoon today. You know, I'm gonna. I see Earthworm Jim back there. I love. Oh yeah. Uh, now, how do you pronounce his name? Doug Tenapple? Uh the honestly, artist. Um, the one that I got was uh, Keith Tucker. Who that one did? Okay, that's I from think, the cartoon itself. Okay, I think there's been uh, multiple writers and artists of, uh, and I think he's, Doug Tenapple is the current one. Okay, but I love his work. Um, I. But I used to love like Spider-Man and, you know, all the Marvel comics and DC. And I would try so hard and I, no matter what I did, it just didn't ever work out for me. Mm. So but I'd still write these comics and try to draw. And uh, yeah, that's where it started. So I would always oh Ninja Turtles. I loved Ninja Turtles. I was yeah. always trying to draw those guys and make my own like fan fiction Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even know like what fan fiction was. Right, I was just but you just making... had your story to tell because you right? don't understand. Yeah, and you don't understand like oh they have a copyright. You're just yeah. like I'm making the new Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> when Pokemon came out, I was kind of a little bit too old for that. But mm. my li- I had three little brothers, and they were into it, and so I kind of like. I loved the the concept of it. Yeah. So I started drawing Pokemon stuff and 
trying to make my own new Pokemon and that kind of thing. Yeah. No, so, it's uh, funny because my, my older brother, like, I, Pokemon came out when I was around third, fourth grade. And so, you know, I was a part of the the Pokemon stock exchange on the playground, <laughs> you know, at recess. Yep. My older brother, though, you know, he was a little too old for it. But when I got the Pokemon Yellow for the, the Game Boy, he ended up playing it more than I did. And it was mm-hmm. really because he's a he's a gamer and he just wants to, you know, mid-max the game and figure out how to break it and, and be the best, <laughs> like any Pokemon trainer wants to be. And so it's funny that, like, he was too old to be into Pokemon, but he was he was a great Pokemon trainer because he had to be the best. It was really <laughs> – I always, I've always thought about that and how kind of funny that is, how ironic it is. Yeah, so I was in sixth grade when it came out, and I was probably a little too old. Like, I definitely had that sense of, like, I'm a little embarrassed that I kind of like this stuff. <laughs> Same with Harry Potter. I think I was sixth grade when that came out. And oh, wow. My brother, my little brother started reading it, and um, I don't know. I think, honestly, I wasn't too old for it. That's probably, like, the target audience, like, yeah. middle school. But I definitely, with that too, same thing, I kind of had that like, mm, this is too little kiddish for me. It's about a little boy who like rides around on a broom. But I kind of <laughs> read it anyway after my brother did. Yeah. And uh, I loved him. And uh, yeah, so I just always loved storytelling. You know what probably was my biggest influence in storytelling was country songs. My parents, oh, wow. when I was a kid, used to listen to country songs and... I mean, when you're like in preschool and kindergarten, you can like really admire a country song. Sure. <laughs> Cuz they they're like they, they got a formula to them. It's like, "Wow, I understand what they're doing here." You know, as a preschooler. Yeah. And then you get to like first grade and you're too old for country songs. Um <laughs> It is funny cuz uh, yeah, I'm thinking about all it my now family just like, got angry at me. <laughs> the 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 country song formula, it does work almost as like a as like a Saturday morning cartoon of songwriting, right? It's like Yeah. You know what sure. they're going to do every single time. You know time, exactly what they're going to do. But but you still want to see it. You still want to experience mm-hmm. it. So just keep coming back for the same thing don't do anything (laughs) different that's not why we're paying you Uh, right that's funny (laughs) no it's fun i and i actually do uh i make fun of country but i actually like country music um but uh yeah so that was kind of like an introduction to storytelling and songwriting and then i kind of eventually like graduated to like blink 182 and green day which is also pretty formulaic and simple but like maybe on a little bit more uh definitely not gonna say sophisticated but <laughs> a little bit more mm, almost honest I don't know what the word is i, I kind of feel like more honest a little bit yeah well angsty and yeah. and uh you know from looking back immature but at that time <laughs> it seemed more mature sure yeah uh, i know so for, anyways for me like the getting into punk and um, really, I, I skipped punk really quickly. I, I, I kind of like a, like a rock. I skipped over the top of it. I, <laughs> I touched it. I, I had some blink, um, MXPX had got, mm-hmm. I had to do MXPX, um, Reliant K, but I went right into like the, the hardcore scene, screamo mm. and emo stuff. Like that was, yeah. that was my jam. Well, that was real. How fast. much, how old are you right now? I'm 32. If you don't mind me asking. No, it's fine. It's I'm 35. So yeah. I think 
probably about the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I was um, in middle school, there wasn't any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there there, there was kind of like Pennywise and like and stuff. you know, there, it was punk still though. Yeah, um, like Rancid was you know, there's those bands that were like the harder punk, but there wasn't really that like hardcore or screamo stuff happening yet. Right, it kind of evolved from punk i yeah. think and from metal and they kind of like fused almost in mm-hmm. a lot of cases because i totally went from like yeah the offspring and blink 22 and that stuff into a little bit harder punk and then into like stuff like thrice mm-hmm. which was kind of like not quite well it eventually did get a little more like screamy but when it first started listening to them it was like all that was out was identity crisis and the illusion of safety Mm-hmm. which that one is my favorite album album of all time illusion of safety and then uh yeah then from there just like all those hardcore bands and and the screamo stuff <laughs> that was that was a fun time for music yeah that was man. a fun time to go to shows dude it was super awesome and and that was like my like i was talking my older brother you know he was he was always into stuff and i think that was one of the first times he and i really kind of connected because mm-hmm. before that it was like you know he's three years older than me and i'm i'm the little brother he's the older brother yeah. we don't we didn't really get along um and he's my half brother so his mom is different than mine and it was it was at this one point where he texted me and he's like bro i've been listening to this band and i think you might like them and i'm like yeah who is it and he's like they're called under oath and i'm like bro i've got two albums already are you kidding me and then we just started like we just text each other lyrics like that we just Mm -hmm. like would hit us right and like and it was like it was that it was the first time i started to really dissect music and and my brother and i were like connecting off of it so that was that was huge and and it was at the same time i started to play bass for my worship band at church uh and then um and then a few friends of mine we all started our own band um we were called never lost and it was dope (laughs) um we were basically the next cutlass so nice uh, that's a sick screamo band name (laughs) uh we we definitely were not screamo because i tried to push i tried to push us that direction but the lead singer my best friend uh nick he wouldn't he wouldn't do it and i was like bro i'll do it i'll i'll do the screaming he's like no we're doing cutlass we're gonna be like cutlass and i'm like i, I don't so, want to be like i don't cutlass. think i listen to cutlass but were they kind of like a breaking benjamin like taproot kind of thing like was that um, their sound or i'm trying to think what they would or be like, like more it, it they're more contemporary than that they're like they they had a little bit of yelling um but they were mostly like oh man what do i describe cutlass as i i don't even know it's it's i know i've heard them it's, before it's, but i mean that's like what 15 20 years ago yeah, we're talking it's, it's, i i they, kind of their first album was was hard contemporary christian is the only way i can describe okay. it okay oh they're a christian band yes yeah Okay, so they're they, probably more like a Project eighty six style kind of. Yeah, yeah, but not not even that hard, man. Not like, even that it's hard. Like, okay. It's, yeah. Um, falling up would be the next closest thing that I can do. See, that's hard for me. I never listened to Christian stuff. Um, oh, okay. I always wanted to, and I just could never quite. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I, that that's was... always been like my goal in in life is to create Christian media that is like 
good that captures me. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't want to say that because I I think that there's a lot of merit to a lot of it. I think that it's good and uh, it doesn't grab me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to like put anybody else down because they listen to to Christian music. I think I wish I was entertained by it, but at the same time, like I don't think that. I don't know. I think just the fact that I'm so caught up in music and in storytelling and all that, that it's kind of like when you're behind the scenes on something, it, it just like you're not so easily amused. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because it's like, it kind of sucks the joy out of a lot of things that would otherwise be um, really fun. Yeah. And I don't know, I've always just, I've been so uh, driven to create things my whole life that I just dissect it and dissect it and dissect it. And then so when I hear like, it's Christian music is a lot like country music. Mm. You know, it's very formulaic for the most part. There's exceptions, but it's like, I see what you're doing. Like, okay, it doesn't feel very like authentic or I don't know. Especially because I was very drawn to that music that was... um, you know, like that screamo kind of thing where it's just like a raw uh, outburst of emotion. Yeah. And you don't really have that with Christian music for the most part. Yeah, it, it's but, really, it's a particular style of music. And I, I, I was lucky that I was able to find that even mm-hmm. in the Christian culture that I was in. You know, I moved from bands like Cutlass and Switchfoot and Reliant K, and I moved into bands like Emery, Under Oath, Uh, Mm, um, demon hunter and these bands that I really could, I could feel (laughs) these emotions that I couldn't feel with other, you know, with these more contemporary bands. Um, see, that's the kind of Christian music I listened to. Yeah. Like red. And it wasn't really like to red at all. No, I never listened to red. I dude. I even now, even to this day, their first album from like 2006 is still one of the best albums you'll listen to. And it's like, it's, I'm looking them up on Spotify. Yeah. Right now. It's cinematic. Like you will listening to that album, you will see images and scenes in your head that you'll want to write. And I only know cool. that because I like I met my wife or my my girlfriend at the time and and um we would go on a walk and we would listen to the music together and then we would tell each other like the scenes that we would think about. And that's when I realized I was in love with her because I was like, this is a girl (laughs) who wants to hear my stories and I want to hear her stories and we're going to share them together. You know, like that's so cool. Yeah. So I I love I I love Christian music um, and I and I think that there's absolutely a place for all of it. I just think that it gets stuck really easy. And and you were right. You you touched on it of it gets very formulaic, especially with worship music and like how it it, can. Yeah, it just. But you know what? That's kind of the point of a lot of it. So you can't even really fault it. You can't say like, oh, it's so formulaic and dismiss it because this is something I've kind of come to realize as I've matured a little bit. Yeah. Is that, you know, hymns are meant to be sung by the entire church, right? Sure. By the entire congregation together. So there's supposed to be songs that can be sung. And so there's definitely something to that. And it's a beautiful thing when you when the entire church is together and you're all worshiping God together. So, you know, that's what it's meant for. It's not meant to be like 
blasted in your car like you can do that that's cool that's <laughs> but that's not its intended purpose you know what i'm saying yeah so you can't really judge it by the same standards as you you're judging say like you know a song by the used that's got a different purpose <laughs> yeah that's... absolutely my what and again i think that every every form of christian music has a place and and there is worship music but it's like i love hymns and i love certain types of of worship and like just just a quick read of um of come thou fount which is like my absolute favorite hymn worship song of all time um uh oh to grace how great a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart Oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. I, at some point, all of those words will be inked upon my skin because I've never felt any song harder than I feel those words. And I read it very quickly without a lot of emotion. Right. Because some listeners don't need to listen to it. But, and then you go to a Newsboys worship song called We Believe, and it's literally just a list. <laughs> yeah (laughs) like we believe in this we believe in this we believe in this and i and i get so frustrated at the lack of and and again i know not all our listeners are are religious or believers but you know obviously you are and, and i am and it's like i get tired of the lack of divine creativity that can be in in worship you know right and that's the part that that gets me yeah but i know that there's a place for good there is good music out there right i mean to me and by the way come that fount we just sang that yesterday in church i love that i yeah i love the hymns um (laughs) so much more than but you know there's there is a place just like god works through every believer differently you know Mm -hmm. and uh he speaks to everybody different in a different way um and everybody has a different relationship with God. At the same time, you know, we all have different tastes in music. We all have sure. different, um, you know. So, and then there's also le- different levels of maturity as well. So, like, some believers need milk and some believers are ready for some, like, steak or, you know, <laughs> they want to tear apart a lobster and <laughs> really, like, dig into Daniel and Revelation. And and then, you know, some people are just, like, they want to know if god so loved the world or not yeah um and if jesus was a nice guy or not yeah um you know there's so they need to know what we believe sure yeah i (laughs) i I, there's definitely like different uh different um purposes like you said there's different purposes for different um christian songs and and media too yeah so and and so so how long have you been playing music yourself? Because you, you're, you started to get into more music as you got older. When did you pick up? A yeah. Um, when I look back, I think I've always, I've always loved singing. I used to, when I was as far back as I can remember, I had a little like, you remember those cassette players that had two cassettes and you could like record from one to the other. You could just get blank yeah. cassettes. Yeah. Well, I used to take, um, those cassettes, like my favorite cassettes, like that thing you do soundtrack or Weird Al Yankovic or some like John Michael Montgomery, like some or Tom Petty, um, 
cassettes and then I'd record a song onto the blank one and I'd have a microphone that plugged into that thing so I could at the same time as it's recording the song I could record my own vocals so I would make these like weird owl style parodies of these songs like I remember Free Fallen was like he's gonna be so clayful <laughs> you know like as like a third grader second grader or something it just it's so dumb but when I look back, it's like that was the beginning of me as a musician. Yeah. Just the trying to be weird out, trying to like write funny stuff. Right. And when you're in second or third grade, you think that Gumby's funny, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> as I got a little older, I um I don't know, I used to play baseball and basketball and I was never great at them. I was never like the terrible worst kid, but I was never like like obviously there's no future in this for me sure and uh but when i picked up guitar in seventh grade it was like everything ended that's all i did from that point forth was play guitar yeah and uh i was always a night owl where i would stay up way too late and would never go to bed till like three or four in the morning and then i just it would be terrible for my mom trying to wake me up in the mornings <laughs> to go to school and she always talks about how, like, that's when I knew that you love, you found what you love to do because this, the guitar lessons were at 6 a.m. Yeah. So I'd be up like five o'clock every morning, just ready to go. And she's like, what has happened to my son? Yeah. And yeah, I just loved it. Yeah, man. And so I just, that's when it started seventh grade. I started writing songs right away and just um, never stopped. And, and so when, when did you get into writing stories? I mean, I kind of interrupted you. You said you were, you've been writing for a while, you know, since you were yeah. a kid. When did you go, okay, I want to make this a, a real thing? Um, I, I think I've always, it must just be like, that I have a natural mind to dissect everything I look at. You know, uh -huh. I don't just like watch and am entertained yeah. like probably normal people which like I said, is kind of a blessing and a curse. Cause it, it kind of does suck out the joy of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but since I was a kid, I was just doing that with movies and, um, comic books, just like, where's the beats? Where are the, um, and it's, it's funny because I've been paying attention to it my whole life and yet I still haven't mastered it. You know what I mean? I still don't, it still isn't, it still is a mystery to me, but it's something that I've always, um, I mean, I've been I've with. been writing for close to ten years now, um, like actively writing, not just like you know I I wrote when I was a kid and stuff, but like being like oh, I'm going to be an author for almost ten years, mm -hmm. and I'm just now starting to go oh, this is kind of how you form a story. I didn't right. realize that you could do that, and so right. I think I think that that's. Being able to break things down is one thing. It's being able to reassemble it. I could open my yeah. toaster, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be able to build a toaster <laughs> once yeah, I have all the parts. Exactly. Yeah, and you could watch it all day long and be like, oh, then it comes up at that point. Then, like, oh, if you turn the dial to here, it comes up quicker. Cool. But then, like, how do you build that thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even if even if I break my own toaster down, all I'm going to have is a broken toaster. I can't take those parts and then just put them back together the right way. Cause I don't know the techniques and, and how they do that. Is that is such a great analogy. 
Um, I, I say we just spend the rest of the podcast talking about how to build a toaster. <laughs> yeah, here, let me just look at the schematics for toaster <laughs> building. <No. laughs> um, so, yeah, I was always just kind of trying to dissect everything. And, I mean, like I said, I was writing comic books as far back as I remember. So I was always writing, but never in any kind of professional sense, obviously, as as a kid. Um, what was your when, go-to comic book um, that you were like inspired by the most? I loved, um, I loved Spider-Man. He was my favorite, or actually, Batman was my favorite. Um, but I didn't really have any Batman comics, really. Mm. So I had Spider-Man comics. So uh, I don't know. I and I also loved all the cartoons too, the Spider-Man cartoons, sure. Batman. I loved all that stuff. Yeah. And so yeah, that was. That was it. Was and even like, even Superman at that time, I loved and uh, I loved that cartoon that they had. Um, so yeah, and Ninja Turtles, I loved all that stuff. Yeah, and that was like easy storytelling that you could like. There's a bad guy and he's doing something, and you know, they try to stop him but fail. And it's like, oh, no, and they need to regroup. And then they come up with a plan, and then they stop the bad guy. It's just the most simple, basic storytelling. Yeah. And so I was learning to do that as a kid. And then, yeah, I don't know. As soon as, like, middle school came around and you started writing reports, I think I got a little distracted where I wasn't writing very much because I hated homework. I hated writing. I hated all that stuff. I, yep. I just hated it all. And, uh, and then high school came around, and I think I – kind of found a little bit more free time and started writing a little bit. Um, I kind of rediscovered it again. I think actually it was an assignment right away in my freshman English class where uh, we had to write a poem. And I wrote this poem. I think that my teacher submitted it for me to a county-wise writing contest. And I don't think I even knew that he submitted it. And it won first place Whoa. for my grade level. And so I was like, oh, well, that's really cool. And he's like, okay. And then on Monday, you're going to stand up and read it in front of the class. And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes, you are. And uh, he was, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, what a good teacher, like pushing a student to like be more than he could be. Yeah. But at the time I was like, what a jerk. And like, I went to my parents. I was like, this guy is telling me that I have to go up in front of the classroom and I don't want to. And, uh, I don't know. I guess I was like a spoiled brat. Just I dug my heels and I did not want to do it. Yeah. And uh, it just so happened that like the day before that was um, that I had to do it. The day before was back to school night. So my parents went into the classroom and I was like, that's the guy. He's he tell me I have to do it or I'm going to get a bad grade. And my dad's like, all right, don't worry, son. He's like, hey, mister, whatever. You know, he really doesn't want to do it. And the teacher's like, but but he needs to. He needs to. And he's like, eh, no. <laughs> and my dad's a pretty scary guy, so I think the teacher didn't really push back. Sure. So it was like, it's cool that my dad went to bat for me yeah. when I had a problem. And I was a shy, nerdy little kid. And But at the same time, I do respect that my teacher was trying to push me to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So, no, and, and yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I've been I've been a, a youth leader at my church and now I do uh, like Dungeons and Dragons camps uh, with. Kids. Oh, cool. And 
I just I can't get rid of being a, a minister. Like I, I'm a card carrying <laughs> minister, so I have to do it somehow, whether it's at church or at a, <laughs> at the bookstore with D and D. Um, so like so I I know that feeling of pushing a kid to be more and 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 knowing that they are either shy and or stubborn um and you kind of you you push as far as you can right and like mm-hmm. knowing ultimately it's probably going to fail right. but hopefully they'll take something from that experience <laughs> of being pushed and they'll push themselves a little bit next time and yeah um and they're like yeah, there's there's a girl who showed up to the D&D camp and she literally wouldn't talk like i'd be like what spell do you want to cast and she'd just point to it on her little character sheet mm-hmm. And like that was like she barely and there at one point I she rolled badly so I was like all right your character starts singing some folk tunes because <laughs> she's inspired so go ahead and sing and she just looks at me and her eyes get huge and I'm like what song is in your character's heart and she's just like staring at me like no please I'm like come on sing it and I was I thought for sur- sure she was just gonna get up and walk out but she just she's just like no no and so. I let it go. Come to comes to turn out, she goes home and tells her whole family about how fun it was and like how oh, I cool. how I pushed her, but you know she didn't want to do it, so she didn't. But it's like kids remember that stuff, and and like yeah. obviously like you just brought up, like you you can respect somebody for pushing them a little bit more, and I think that's yeah. great. I really do. And I, I think I had kind of a problem with authority attitude problem when I was that age too. So, you know, and I was stubborn and it wasn't really a, a thing about, I wasn't really that shy to go up in, in front of people and talk. Part of it was that somebody was trying to make me do something. Yep. And I don't like that. Yep. And uh, I really didn't like it when I was in ninth grade. Yeah. But <laughs> that's a problem I'm trying to work on. Um, but part of it too was, I, you know, now I'm not afraid to say like, yeah, I write poetry. I'm a poet, but as a ninth grader, I was at a brand new school. I had no friends. It was like right at the beginning of the year. I didn't know anybody. And I was really concerned that if I show up to this new school and I'm like, like the poem was called reading by the lake. Uh And it was like about sitting there with a book on a lake, just observing the beauty of nature. And I'm like, okay, if I read this, I am going to be beat up every day. Like I'm going to never make friends. I'm going to be the most uncool kid there ever was. I am not reading this yeah. in front of my entire class. Yeah. When nobody knows me, that's, that's the reading by the late kid, yeah. you know? So I, that's stupid now to think about it, but that's what I thought at the time, you know, it just, it just reminds me. I tried my hand at, at poetry as well. I, I, when I was in a band, I would write the lyrics for stuff. I remember one of the last poems I ever wrote um, I showed to my English teacher in probably like junior year of high school and um, man it's so funny to look back and think about it because I wrote this this poem with the idea that like I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm talking to myself and mm-hmm. you know I it, it talks about how I, I hate this person and I love this person and you know I'm, I'm looking into their eyes and I'm trying to find the truth and, and, and real love and real honesty. And I read this poem to this English teacher and man, she was so nice to me. And, uh, and she really made sure I knew that 
that she was there for me if if I needed anything. And when I look back on that experience, I realized she thought I was gay. Like she mm. thought I was very gay because <laughs> it's just this very specific, like looking into a man's eyes and and talking about love and stuff. And it's it's funny to me that like I could be so naive and like so incredibly blind to that for years. It wasn't until I like uh-huh. was like I was going back in my memories and thinking about stuff that I was like, oh my god, this oh my god, this was so different than I thought it turned out. Um, but then also I was like, oh, well, at least I knew I had someone. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah exactly. That's pretty there. cool. She was there for you when she thought you were struggling. Yeah. So that was that was kind of cool. I, I love I love stories where it's like they're the teachers really help people and, and get mm-hmm. people out of themselves, because that's that's the best thing that teachers can do. Right. Is is help you learn how to be more than what you think you can be. Right. Um, the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> I had some other some opposite of that teachers. They helped me <laughs> yeah. to be less than what it could be. Right. For sure. Yeah. Those are a yeah, couple I of them. I've had those, too. Um, so you you you're in high school. You wrote a story. Your teacher went behind your back, published it without <laughs> your knowledge, forces you to talk about it in front of people. Um, yeah. And now, 20 some odd years later, you are your you're an author. What what stuck about that? Yeah, um, I don't know. It just always has been a drive of mine to write, um, and it's just taken different forms over the years. So I think around seventh grade, I started playing guitar and writing songs. And I'd say the most writing that I've ever done is in song form. Um, mm. I've written hundreds of songs, um, so many of them that I've just forgotten. I've probably forgotten more songs than I've ever recorded. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just. It's something that I will probably do till the day I die, just whether or not it ever makes me a dime, you know? Sure. Um, so I don't know. That's like, it kind of feels like that's my purpose in life is just to write, um, to tell stories. And and all my songs kind of do tell stories. Um, I've always loved lyrical, you know, storytelling as opposed to, I, I can still dig something like the, um, I don't know. There's a lot of artists where you don't really know what they're talking about. But yeah, kind of. I don't know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like I can still like them, but I don't know what the heck they're talking yeah. about most of the time. Yeah, it's like um, either metaphor or just absolute like gibberish, or, or kind of more abstract. Yeah, abstract. Poetry, that's which what it is. I I can get into that. I've written some abstract abstract things myself. Like sometimes it's just these words make sense to my soul, and it doesn't make sense to anybody else. But sure, I don't know. Yeah, I um, and I I just recently just just today I watched the video that you did um just recently uh where you where you read some of your poetry out of the book. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool. Like really well done. Uh it looked good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a cool Isn't that a cool notebook? It's such a cool notebook, dude. Um <laughs> and it and it I got this from the Rowmaker store. Did you really? I'm, pl- I'm plugging Romance. Yeah, please do. Um, they need more love. I I've only been able to talk to Scott, the guy that that kind of helps run it, and then and then you. Um, I I want to get more realm makers on here. Um, so if if you know any of them, just let them know. I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> cool. Um, we'll do. I'll try to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought the video was really well done, I, and I like it's simple, Thank and you. you're just reading your poetry in 
to be honest, I hate listening to poetry. I think it's dumb. <laughs> I, I don't get it most of the time. Maybe I'm just not smart. Um, <laughs> no, but a lot but, of it's very overindul like self indulgent. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> um, but the way that you presented it was really digestible for someone like me, where like I'm just watching you flip through a through. You're showing me your notebook. Right. Like. Right. And, and then you're you're reading along and, and the music that you have is really good. And so I don't know, man, I just I really like that. So I just want to encourage you to keep doing cool. that. I think it's Thank great. Um, yeah, I have this. I have a very similar feeling about a lot of poetry that you do. Um, I think that I love poetry, but I don't love all, all poetry for sure. In fact, I probably don't love the majority of poetry I hear or see. Um, but I mean, people like William Blake. Oh my gosh, that guy. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Robert Burns. There's a lot of poets, even William Shakespeare. Holy moly. Yeah. You know, like his sonnets are incredible. That's some of the most beautiful writing of all time. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's, uh, that's something. And a part of it probably is to me that I like is I think that the reason I enjoy Shakespeare sonnets is probably similar to the reason I enjoy like deconstructing uh, eschatology. Mm. I am removed by culture. I'm removed by time. I'm removed by language in a lot of cases with poetry and writing, not with Shakespeare, but, um, <laughs> but with the Bible and with a lot of poets. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's a sense of like what are they getting at that is a lot more beyond like if i were to walk into a coffee coffee shop i pretty much know what you're talking about yeah right off the bat so there's kind of like a puzzle aspect to it where it's like, take, like taking the words and finding the meaning that's that's behind them right it's, and at the same time you're kind of almost like educating yourself as, and learning how to like here's a new way to say something. Here's some new words you've never heard before. Like yeah. here's a here's a new way of telling this little story, this little like glimpse of nature, or this little glimpse of the human heart, or of love, or whatever it is. Um, you know, this is a new way of looking at something, and it's not often that a person will do that well. Yeah. Um, and those are you know, there's a lot of poets throughout history who stand out. Sure. For a reason. And I, and I, I totally understand that too. And like, I think, I think being able to identify with an idea that somebody's putting out there in a way that is not obvious is like, it's one of the most, it, it's the reason why I started doing t-shirts. Like I, I started designing t-shirts where it was nerdy stuff, right? Like <laughs> Captain America, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. But it was always really like deep cuts into those nerdy realms because <laughs> it's so cool that way when someone recognizes that and they're like bro that's such a cool design i love that whatever it is right and and it's so much more meaningful because you know that person really gets it right it's not i just really want to show you a t-shirt that i drew the drawing for and the design and i screen printed it myself but I don't know where it is. It's probably like in the bottom of my hamper. <laughs> it's uh, it's like the Abbey Road album cover. Yeah. Like the crosswalk. Yeah. But walking across it is Link. 
Zora Link, Goron Link, and Deku Link. Oh, and Navi, of course. Right, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, that's funny. I I've done this exact same thing. I have another one of like a ship, uh, uh like a galleon, like a pirate ship. Uh-huh. And it says, "Check yourself before you wreck yourself." <laughs> Yeah. So just stupid nerdy stuff. Yeah, man. It's great. <laughs> I just sent uh, a link. The, the last, the only bit of poetry I think I've ever done in the last like 10 years. And I, I think I, I posted on my Instagram. I, I think I linked it on, on the discord and it literally just, all it was was it just says, uh, where to next? Asked the ocean. The sky replied as she opened her arms to me, my love to me. And I, I, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why, but I opened up my notebook one day and I just wrote that. And to me, that is, that is the only form of poetry I've ever enjoyed doing or trying. And I don't know if it even is. It just literally just came out. So I know like beautiful. Sometimes it's. Will you say that again? uh, Yeah. Like I said, I I linked it in the, in our discord chat so you can actually see it um, because I don't need to keep. I don't need to keep saying poetry on, on this show. People are going to make fun of me. Google gang. I don't know. I really liked it. I wanted to hear it again. (laughs) Where Um, to next? Ask the ocean. Sky replied as she opened her arms to me, my love to me. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like it. Um, and so I like it because it's not trying to be something that's not, it's not trying to like you're using plain language. It's just honest. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the hope is, just just being honest right and but you put it in a way that like it takes a a little bit more effort for someone to connect with mm-hmm. it um so i i i understand where that that outpour can come from and the enjoyment of those those accolades of like yeah i get you i understand what you're trying to say here um mm-hmm. i think that's great so you're you're well, <laughs> you're a musician you're uh, an author a, a poet and uh, <laughs> you said earlier you do photography as well. I do. Yep. Um, what do we? What kind of photography are we talking about? Are we doing? Are we doing weddings? Are we doing? Uh, yeah, babies? I do kind of everything. I live in a small area, so you can't really specialize in one thing. You just kind of have to do whatever it is. Like there's seven thousand people in the town I live in, mm. um, but that's like one of the smaller towns in my county. So uh, on either side, this pastoral has like thirty thousand people right next to me. So it's not super small, but it's definitely not like a big city where you have like you, you I can't be like the super specific, you know, dance photographer or something like that. Like it's like you got you need photography, I'm your guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you need doorknobs photographed, I'll photograph doorknobs for you. <laughs> but I do tend to do a, a lot of um products, a lot of more like commercial for businesses. Um okay. I do a lot of fashion work. Um and I've have been publishing like 28 magazines, I think. Wow. Um, so yeah, I do that. That's kind of how I pay the bills. Um, I have a, f- a photography business and then my wife and I own a fabric store called Cottonier fabrics. And so that's the other half of how we pay our bills. And, mm-hmm. uh, then the rest is all like kind of more long term. Like maybe this will make money one day. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the, the, um, writing, yeah. you know, that's obviously I haven't, I've, only published one short story so that's not paying any bills for sure i mean it, it but it's mm-hmm. a start right and like that's right that's the idea is it, like i've i i published a story to 
two years ago, five years ago, <laughs> um, when I first got married, and it was you know I wrote it as a as a gift to my wife, um, and then I just wanted to try out self publishing, and so I did, and um, it gave me it gave me enough experience to know that I needed to be more serious about it before I do it again. And so that's what I've been working on is like having the portfolio to justify doing that. Um, so like, you know, now it's like, okay, I got a podcast, I got a couple podcasts and, and a little bit more presence. So when I do fully commit myself to trying to make money as a writer, you know, it's a little bit more justified than grandma. Can you please buy 10,000 copies of my book? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, paying the bills was never the point of why I started writing ever. You know, I started writing this when my, like about the time my daughter was born and she's 11 now. So uh, the, the, when I say this, I mean the novel that is coming out soon. Um, So it's always just been something I do when, you know, on those nights when I find myself where I can't sleep and everybody's asleep already. Yeah. And, you know, I got to do something. So I'll write, you know, I just have the kind of brain that's just always thinking. So I'll be researching stuff and then writing or reading. And um, is there a place, actually, I, is there a place where you like you find that you are most creative in this place or doing this thing? Like, is there something that gets your your brain juices going? Yeah. Night yeah just just the sun goes down down. and i wake up yeah like (laughs) seriously i like i'm like a zombie just kind of walking like mindlessly through the day performing tasks and that's how it's always been since i was a kid and my my mom says you didn't sleep the first year of your life wow um so i don't know i've always been that way i'm like at one point i kind of used to think as a kid like i was meant to be like a night watchman you know i was meant Mm. to be like in like standing out there in the dark watching for danger like like i kind of had this like biblical sense of duty like taking that way too seriously and really really reading into the fact that i don't sleep at night like i was meant to stand guard in the darkness and defend (laughs) all that is good you know like it's at some point as a kid i used to think that now i just think yeah i just need to like read until i fall asleep or something yeah <laughs> now i just need to take like some cold medicine or something man yeah seriously <laughs> but no i i legit have problems sleeping and uh so i'll be up all night sometimes and that's when i write and a lot of times it's i don't write a lot of times i'll start trying to write and i'll have to like research something before i feel like i can do this scene justice so then i'll spend like night after night just like thinking and brainstorming and writing notes and it, it just never really works and like okay i get has something halfway formed and it's like no this isn't gonna work wait what if it went more like this and then i'm starting over and gosh the all the times i sit down to write i'd say like probably one tenth of it gets is actual writing and the rest is like either researching or brainstorming mm-hmm. or plotting and then replotting and then scratching that out and then re starting from scratch again and it's yeah. just Oh yeah. man, I get it. I <laughs> I've been doing this this short story series uh, that I've been working on, and it's very much like I'm trying to write it in a very specific way, 
And it's teaching me so much about the writing process because I used mm-hmm. to be just someone who's like, ah, I'm going to write whatever I write, you know, whatever pops in my head. That's what I'm going to put on the on the paper. That's the story, um, yeah. which is really fun. Uh, it's a really fun way to do it. Uh, but it also leads to um, terrible, terrible, terrible pieces of crap. Uh, that's the only way to learn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, so now I'm doing this project where I wrote, you know, a uh, uh, a few weekends ago, I, I busted this thing out. Um, it ended up being about 11,000 words long, but I probably wrote 16 or 17,000 words. And, and I had like, I would just delete whole sections of this thing and start over. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I, this doesn't work. This is not the tone or the style that I'm going for. I need to do better. And it was mm-hmm. really honestly, when I did that, Part of me was mad. Part of me was angry that I didn't write it right the first time. But then part of me was like, no, dude, you're getting better and you're yeah. you're not allowing yourself to suck. And that was a really cool moment, especially after I had my existential crisis in uh, last November because of Frank Herbert. Like knowing that I can do better is is really big for me. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. You can't go to toaster school and just read a book. You got to <laughs> learn how to put it together. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you need to watch other people put it together a few times and then give it a try. See that you did it yeah. upside down. Try again. For sure. Um, yeah. I'm I'm just like in my second novel, you know, I'm writing my second novel. I'm at what, like 20, I'm probably 20,000 words like finished on paper. Mm-hmm. But I've probably written, I mean, I've been working on this one for like probably 10 years. Yeah. And I only in this past year have I started actually writing it. Yeah. I mean, I've been working on it for, I've probably written like 10 novels. I've probably written like, a, like I don't know, probably 500,000 words wow. on this novel that have never, you know, they, they aren't officially part of the novel. They're just like. these starts these false starts that i've just yeah no i'm not gonna do that no yeah i like that idea for a minute and then i don't like it and then gosh i've written so much i have you should see my scrivener what do you write in what uh word processing google doc (laughs) yeah just just straight google doc man that's good i i like google docs i use that for like uh, i write for the newspaper locally okay (laughs) See, i do too many things and i use google docs for that um but anyways uh they use Grammarly there, and I write in Google Docs before I bring it into Grammarly. Yeah. Anyways, but for writing proper, I use Scrivener, which is kind of dangerous. It's it's amazing because I really love the fact that you can like have all these different. It's basically like if you were to take like a big giant three three ring binder and just like put all your stuff in your binder. Yeah. But it can get re- like because you can like reorder it and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. But it can get really out of control if you're like me and you just have like all these false starts. Like I have literally have like so many folders of old versions of my novels. Yeah. Um, in each of my documents. Um, so it it's just like a mess. I I tried to do. Have you ever tried to play with uh, Anvil World Builder? No, I've heard of that one time, but I've never tried it. It's it's really popular with like Dungeons and Dragons people and then fantasy people. Um, 
every time is I've, that like map making it or no is it, more it, than that? it has you can upload maps but it doesn't do map making itself oh the, it's basically a way of of creating your own wikipedia for oh, specific okay. things right and and that's the only, that's the best way i can describe it because you'll write this article let's call it for i'm so I try to do it for my D and D campaign that I do for a Players Guild podcast, and um, it was I was like, okay, I'm just gonna start with the, with the main town that they're in. That's all I'm gonna do. Haberdashery Woods. That's the name of the town. Great, name it. I'm gonna write. Okay, Haberdashery Woods has some humans and blah blah blah. And then they're like, all right, what about the history? And I'm like, oh, that's a great question. Well, it started out as a caravan uh, trade route. <laughs> for king city and for um uh valley gate and then it's like boop do you want to create an article for valley gate and i'm like oh yeah let me do that real quick boop okay oh, now i'm cool. doing this but then it's like getting into the nitty-gritty it's like well do you want to upload a map for these i'm like i got some let's upload it right well there's this and like by the time i know like it's three hours later and i look like charlie day with my crazy yeah, map behind for sure. me that's how my scriveners look yeah. exactly <laughs> it's it can be so overwhelming and i know one guy uh paul davis who i've i've interviewed on the show before he likes anvil a lot and he's trying to teach some other people how to use it better and i i don't know i think it just it's just too powerful for me it's like the one ring it like, kind of is <laughs> it's like it's a blessing and a curse because it's so nice to be able to put all your thoughts out there as you're world building, you're kind of on that bigger stage. Like I know the world I want to tell my story in, but I don't have that story quite yet, but, but I know what I want to be existing in this yeah. world. And, and then you, cause that's what I do in Scrivener. It's kind of like my own Wikipedia. Yeah. And I've got a page for each character and for each city and each like world in some cases and the history backstory of this. And then you start writing and it's like, Nah, it works better if it's like this. Then you have to go back and change like 50 different yeah. reference points and you got to find them all. And it's just like this huge headache. That's and why I uh, think I, I like the process. Uh, another person we've interviewed, Brianna, she um, has shown herself doing like, you know, like a, like a poster board and then doing, mm. you know, like the index cards and the, and yeah. write out, she writes out the, just, on those the the character name or the place or or the scene and she has it all laid out that way she can physically move it she can see it and there's different colors for different things right and it's way more organized and i i tried that and i liked it a lot i just i'm too much of a pantser to be that mm. outlined i gotta yeah. i gotta enjoy telling the story as much as experiencing a story as everybody else you know yeah and you got to have a place to do that too like yeah. i can't i don't have a place to do that because we just have like we work from home we have a fabric business and we have like employees in our house there's just nowhere mm. for me to like i just i'm like confined to this little corner over here yeah. and i don't have like a big giant wall i could do that on uh, but there's a an author that i follow on uh social media and um and I listened to one of her podcasts, um, and her name is Charlie Ann Holmberg, and she does that exact same thing. But she's got like her own room where she writes. Like she has, she that's all she does. She's a professional writer. She's been really successful. So she goes down to her basement, 
and like does that on the big wall yeah and like that could work and that yeah. could probably work for me too but i just don't have the space to do that in I think... and i'm kind of like i i i'm kind of i don't know what i am yet i'm still discovering because with the withering which is my novel that's coming out soon yeah i plotted that out like i did what's called the snowflake method that's how i started it out yeah have you ever heard of that uh no i don't think i have it's um it's if you just google the snowflake method um it'll come up it's uh randy ingermanson i think is his name and he came up with this concept where you just write one sentence just one sentence about what is your novel mm -hmm. and then step two is like okay bring that sentence into a paragraph and okay. then step three i think was like uh bring that that paragraph into a one-page synopsis of your novel and then it kind of branches out to, into two different um kind of avenues and one is a, like character-based and one is plot-based mm -hmm. so you kind of alternate where it's like okay write a one-page thing about your character your main character and then uh then it's like, okay, expand this one page thing into, you know, I don't know. It just grows and grows like a snowball. Yeah. And that's how I wrote The Withering. But the thing is that even though I followed that and it eventually got done, it took me forever because I don't think I ever made it through the whole snowflake method before I decided to change everything. And like, sure. cause I'm, cause I'm learning that like my brain thinks it wants to plot It it doesn't, I'm the type of person I want to know what I'm doing before I do it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know the plan, <laughs> but so I so I plot and I plot and I plot and I plot and when I finally sit down to write, I'm a pantser. Yeah, and everything changes. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm the <laughs> same way. It's like that's too boring. What I wrote is too predictable. It's too boring. There needs to be more happening here, or a bigger stake, or yeah. something. So then I end up changing it, and then I change. I go back and I have to change everything, and that's exhausting. Yeah. So yeah. And yeah, I, I, I totally understand it, man. I I mean, the whole idea of, like, I – so the place that I am the most creative, like, I, I get the most ideas is while I drive. I mm. love I, – I live in Oregon uh, in the Willamette Valley, and I don't think that there's – I know that there's nicer places to drive. There, there's beautiful places to drive all over the world. But I, I love driving through – like the wine hills of Newburgh that's like 20 minutes away. Or if I really want to, if I want to spend the whole day doing it, I could just drive all the way out to the coast and drive back, you know? Yeah, she's so beautiful up there too. Oh, yeah, it is. It's it. like, it's, it's just beautiful. And I can just get into a zone and, and my brain starts going and um, I can start putting things together like a puzzle in my head and I've got music going and, I, I listen to lo-fi almost exclusively while I drive nowadays because I like to, <laughs> I like to just have that going so I can I can just create in my head. Okay. Side note, have you listened to uh, Zelda and Chill yet? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. That's like what me and my kids listen to almost exclusively. There's, there's Zelda and Chill. There's Pokemon and Chill. You can find that. Um, <laughs> bro, yeah, I've listened to it all. I... I think I doubt that the, at this point there's any form of lo-fi that I haven't really listened to because I nice. listen to it legitimately like nonstop. Um, cool. I'll be at yeah, work. I love it with like my head, my Bluetooth headphones in, and people will be talking to me, and I just have lo-fi playing in the background because I'm like, <laughs> this conversation's boring. I need music to get through it. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah so like like driving is is my place and and i think that it's every everybody needs that and so i'll do that and i'll come with these great ideas and i sit down i'm like oh all that's out the window i'm doing this instead and i go to town in a completely different direction but i think that that's important because in those times where you're plotting and thinking you are forming the characters and the plot that the that the reader will never see that's where writing happens and that's where it's it's like another somebody who's not a writer is not going to understand that a lot of what you're doing happens when you're just like it looks like you're just sitting around doing nothing yeah you know what i mean yeah like when i'm actually writing that's like what do i compare that to I don't know. It's like it's like making a sandwich, but like the reason I can make that sandwich is because I went to the store. <laughs> like I drove <laughs> yeah. across town. I went to the store. I stood in the line. Like I got all this stuff and paid money, and then I got home. Like now I can make a sandwich. Right. Like that's the easy part. Yeah. The hard part was all the stuff it took to make the sandwich. Yeah. I, now I have all the ingredients. They're here in front of me. Now I know know what to do with them. Yeah, absolutely. But like. The you know the other part takes way longer. Yeah, there's so and, much uh, work that goes into the presentation of a sandwich, even just the making of a sandwich. You know, there's yeah. more to make. And plus, you have to put it in a toaster. Yeah, <laughs> if you really, <laughs> you got to build the toaster, and you got to you got to yeah. work on that. I think that genuinely, if I could, if I could like live in a world where where I write for a living, um, I will find some way to where like I can like rent some crappy house on the coast yep. and i'm just gonna cover the walls in like dry erase board and uh cork board and i <laughs> and every morning i drive out to the coast and it's like a it's like an hour and a half commute i sit down in there turn on my my record player and i just write on the walls put up my my index cards and then i have my my laptop to write on and then at the end of the night i drive home for an hour and I and I and that's like that would be perfection for me as far as yeah. creative process and and writing. At one point, I considered like, wouldn't it be cool like if I were to, I don't know, buy some property like in the woods and just build some cabin with like ten bedrooms and just Airbnb it, like market it as some kind of like writer's retreat. Dude, that'd be dope. And just like serve dinner every night like at this big long table where people can come down if they want to and like you know uh just what's the word they could they could eat and talk and go over each other's like manuscripts and just bounce ideas off each other but in the meantime they can also go off to their rooms and just spend as much time they want either in the rooms or like out in the woods have some hammocks out there have some like maybe some outdoor writing desks Honestly, like some, that just sounds journals. Like, that just sounds like the sound cool? it sounds like the beginning of of like a horror movie. To be honest, it, it sounds does. great, but that's the problem. <laughs> is the horror movie always has the cool place, and then people start dying, and nobody yeah. knows why. <laughs> and if they're all writers, well, they all have they the all same know. birthday. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> or some some random thing that where they all movie, have the same common thread. Why that are we movie genuinely scared the shit out of me as a which kid. one identity identity. You know why? Yeah. Because their why? birthday is my birthday, bro. No way. Yes. <laughs> so they're all being oh, murdered and they're like, My birthday's May tenth too. And I'm you like, know you know the kid that uh the kid in the movie? Uh huh. 
that uh, I knew that kid. I was friends with his brother in in uh, all through elementary school. Really? And then I moved in middle school. But yeah, um, I was friends with his older brother, um, Troy Lair, and his little brother Ryan Lair was the actor that played the little kid. Oh no, sorry, Ryan Lair is his other little brother. That was uh, what was the little one's name? Anyways, um, you could just IMDb it real yeah, quick. Yeah, doing and that. Find right it, now. I'm sure. I'm Brett sure. Lair, that's his name. Um, anyways, uh, just random fact there. <laughs> oh man uh yeah there it is brett lair timmy yep. york yeah i remembered like because right about the time i was moving i remember his mom talking to my mom like at the pickup line or whatever and and mom was like oh that's cool like they have uh she has a an acting agent for little brett you know and <laughs> he was just starting to get into like doing commercials and we saw him on a couple commercials. It was like, oh, that's so cool. Somebody we know is on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, a few years later, it's like, oh, he's like, he's like the murderer, murderer in this movie. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, oh, man, you you uh, you are astounding me with how much you do, too, because you keep popping up with something <laughs> else. Like, uh, I've had a weird life. I, I mean, I I thought that I had a busy life, and I I have friends that constantly tell me like, "Hey, you need to chill out. Like, you're gonna burn out," which they're not wrong. I'm burning out hard, but I'm enjoying it a little bit. <laughs> um, how do you keep? How do you keep up with all of it? How do you not burn out? I don't know, man. I feel like uh, you know. Do you ever listen to Gary V? Oh, sounds super Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, so I don't listen to him too often, but I've listened to him a few times before. Um. I don't listen to him anymore, really. Um, but there was a time where I went through a little phase where I was listening to his podcast a lot. Okay, I know he said he something. He said, uh, you know, some people are afraid to juggle, like, more than three things because they're afraid they're going to drop one, right? So you got a fourth thing in there. It's like, I might drop that. He's like, I juggle 800 things, and I might drop 700 of those things, but I'm still juggling 100 things, and you're juggling three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel. Like it's I'm not necessarily saying that's good or bad. It's just how I am. I don't know. It's just the way my brain works. Sure. Like I'm always I'm I'm on to this, then I'm on to the next thing, and then I'm on to the next thing, and then I come back to this thing and I don't know. Yeah, it man. just works that way. No, I so. I get it completely. And that's how I am too. Like I I go from being in the mode where I'm, I'm a writer, I'm an author, to I'm publishing an anthology, and I'm the publisher. I'm not the author. I'm the publisher. And mm -hmm. then, you know, to a mode of, yeah. okay, I'm the, I'm the podcast guy. I'm promoting this to mm -hmm. I'm the designer. I have to design this. You know, and I, and I shift those mindsets so quick um yeah that some people get whiplash and it's like ah, this is just <laughs> how i this is just how my brain has been working since i was 12 right. years old i don't i don't know how to not think this way um yeah and i know i think like that, i wish yeah. that i just loved math <laughs> and i just, could just like sit in a cubicle and do math and have a 401k yeah man just like Math Sign me up you know, for that happy. brain, but yeah. that's not my brain. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. So awesome. Um, tell before <laughs> before we get out of here, tell us a little bit about the book that's coming out. Um, this novel apparently that you've been working on, um, yeah. for ten plus years. Well, that's a, it. Sounds like more work than it is. <laughs> so, 
I've been, like I said, I'm trying to I talk you up, man. When... I'm trying to get people to, to buy the book. <laughs> well, like I've been, I feel like if I was working on it full time, it would have been like two years, but, mm. um, you know, so sporadically and working on other projects and, um, but anyways, it's a post-apocalyptic fantasy that takes place on another world. So it's kind of got some sci-fi elements to it. Um, I hesitate to even call it fantasy. I guess it is, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I loved Paralandra, which is the second book in, I loved the whole um, space trilogy by C.S. Lewis, but Paralandra really stuck with me. And I think that that's some people's least favorite book, but it was my favorite. And just the themes were so strong in it. And the typology was so just, it just stuck with me. And so a lot of that just came, you know, just I carried that with me into this novel. But then also I always loved um, just wild novels like the um, the Dark Tower series, like the Gunslinger. And yeah. um, the, especially the first four books in that series just killed me with their creativity. And sometimes it gets a little dark where I'm like, I don't even know if I could recommend this to people because it's a little like too dark for me yeah I, but i gave up after man. one scene i was like no nah, i'm good i don't need to read this anymore. yeah exactly uh, like there's a lot of scenes where i almost <laughs> did but there's so much that's the thing is like it, it's almost like a shame you know it's like why do you gotta take it so dark because i just i'm not a dark person i don't like to get dark like i can't i didn't watch i couldn't watch game of thrones like it's like I don't like that world. Yeah. But um, because I write clean and I like things that are clean. I like to share things with my kids. Yeah. I like to watch, you know, the Harry Potter movies with my kids because they're creative. They're fun. They're pretty much clean. And I love that. Um, But there was so much. And I read those, the Stephen King's Dark Tower when I was a little younger and I was a little more um, tolerant. Um, Now I'm like kind of a... (laughs) I'm kind of a weakling. Yeah. I have a, not as strong a stomach. I think after being on the ambulance for five years, um, I kind of like went the opposite direction where I don't even want like violence anymore. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's so much creativity in those books that it's just, it's just so off the wall sometimes. And I, it's kind of brilliant. Um, I mean, there's a reason he sold as many books as he does. Yeah. The guy is a genius in a lot of ways, a dark yeah. genius, but he's a genius. And so a lot of that goes into the withering too. Um, like I said, my my book is clean, but a lot of that kind of like I love his voice. I love Stephen King's voice. Yeah, as a writer, um, I love a lot of his description of things. I love the off the wall like the strange twists that come. I even love like I love um, hard science fiction like. Name of the Wind, Patrick Rothfuss. I love yeah. the way he did his, you know, sympathy and stuff. But I also love a lot of that really whimsical stuff that happens in Stephen King novels where you're like, where did he come up with this? Like this talking train that's like, oh, and by the way, the train is obsessed with riddles. Like, right. okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a, he wants to kill everybody unless they can solve this riddle. Like, I love that stuff. Like, where does he come <laughs> up with this? You know. So, I don't know. It's kind of a weird am- amalgamation of all these things that I love. Yeah. So there's definitely some kind of off the wall craziness. But there's also a lot of, it, it's more grounded than that. And then there's a lot of like organization and structure, but it's more, 
weird than that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like not. I I don't know where you would put it. It's um. It's not exactly sci-fi. It's not exactly fantasy. It takes place on another world. But the biggest themes in it are like spirit versus flesh is a big one because that's something I personally struggle with and I think about a lot. Yeah. Um, and just what that even means. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you come to a place where you can where you can put yourself aside and put you your own desires aside to live in the spirit, to walk in the spirit. So that's a hard thing for a lot of Christians to do. And it seems like for some Christians, it's easy. I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems that way. And I'm like, why is it so hard for me? So, um, so that's a big, big theme in my novel, the withering. And then, uh, another one is just family. Um, and, uh, and faith. Yeah. Family and faith are kind of at the core of it. That's awesome, man. I think it's great. I, I genuinely think that there needs to be more um, there needs to be more stories that are based in Christianity and and the faith in that, but can reach out into a world without being sermons, without being, you know, the you this you have to do this or believe in this. It's right. just this is my perspective of this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think uh, the withering is definitely like Christ is a big component of it, mm. but I really tried to do it in a way. And I don't know if I was successful or not. So we'll see when people start reading it and reviewing it. But what I, my goal was, I originally wasn't going to have it be explicitly Christ. Right. Because I didn't want to be preachy, but I came to realize there's no other way it can be with this story. Yeah. So Christ is really at the center of it and it's very explicit. But what I, tried to do is when I was in high school, I read a book called Siddhartha and I'm a Christian, but I was able to read that book and look at it with, you know, respect for the storytelling and for what this journey that this character is going on, even though he's um, trying to find Buddha and uh-huh. eventually I think becomes Buddha. If I remember it right. Um, it's been a while, like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember, remember loving that book. You've read? Come on, man. I remember loving it. And here I am a Christian loving this book about like trying to find Nirvana or become Buddha. Yeah. Um, And I think it was because it wasn't necessarily telling the reader, Hey, you have to be a Buddhist in order to be a good human. Right. You know, I don't want to write a book that says like, Hey reader, you got to be a Christian in order to be good human. Cause you know, no matter what you believe, that's that's gonna be a turnoff to a lot of people so what i tried to do is what siddhartha did where it's like this is this character's journey and this character is coming to terms with this faith Mm. and just leave it at that and let it be what it is so hopefully uh i did have one i i sent it to some beta readers that i knew were not christians and some specifically that I knew had a problem with Christians Yeah, for that reason to kind of judge their reaction. One of them didn't finish it. And then one of them did read it and kind of was like, uh, yeah, it was good. You know, I don't know if I was really into the Christian thing. So I don't know. I, th- but you know, those are people that are kind of against Christianity. Yeah. But at the same time, you're writing your story. And I, and I think that it's important to remember like, yeah, we want to, we, we as Christians want to be approachable uh, mm-hmm. as people and um, and be 
people that that others can see a light in right right not like in a righteous way but something that's like they want to be around us because we're just trying to be good people right and but at the same time our art is representative of where we're at so not oh yeah not converting what we want to tell not changing that story because we want to make other people happy um right a lot of it is just about being honest and being like look Mm -hmm. you don't have to even like the story but this is my story um and i think more people respect that um at least that's what i've learned in the last you know like seven years of just being like hey i'm a christian you're gonna have to fucking mm-hmm. deal with it like i've literally <laughs> said that to people and they're like what wait what <laughs> it's like yeah man and and that's just who i am i i i went in college you know i i had my girlfriend and we were waiting till marriage and i had a shirt that said happy virgin on it and people would be like wait seriously you're wearing that i'm like yeah for real <laughs> like that's just who i am like i'm not ashamed of yeah. it I'm I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable and yeah but at the same time people they know that they can talk to me about anything you know I and right. I have never judged I've never held anything against people like that so being able to put out your honest story is is important because it it shows that you are unwavering in what what you truly believe you're not changing right. it and that's what I think people respect more than anything. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got a point of view and obviously it's not everybody's point of view or, you know, so there's going to be people that don't enjoy it. Yeah. But my goal with that was to see like, are these people going to be offended or feel judged right. by it? So that's right. why I sent it out to them. And I did not get the sense <laughs> that that was the case. Yeah. I don't think that they necessarily enjoyed it. You but know, they, it probably they wasn't a cup of tea. By it. And that was my goal. Like, okay. It's not your cup of tea. I get that. Yeah. But like, I just wanted to make sure that I'm not coming off as like super judgmental or, um, you know, I don't want to be preachy. I don't want to like have this thinly veiled, like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I'm trying to to tell a story, not, not I think it's, I think it's really funny. And, and I don't know if you've listened to our uh, episode on planet Narnia. Um, uh, uh-uh, I don't think so. I, dude, I highly recommend it. And, uh, and I know it's like, is I'm, that a podcast? It's our, yeah, it's the Lewis and Lovecraft episode on planet Narnia planet Narnia is a, it's a, it's a story. It's not a story. It's a book written by a, a scholar of CS Lewis. And it basically, oh, okay. it breaks down how, um, how Aslan was representing more than Jesus in the Narnia Chronicles mm. and was showing the seven different gods of uh, Greek and Roman mythology uh, shown through the seven planets that orbit around uh, around the sun outside of Earth. Oh, interesting. And it interweaves the, the um, Hideous Strength uh, trilogy. Right. Um, because there's a lot of that in there and it, mm-hmm. it's dude, it's so honestly, I just recommend the book, get planet Narnia, the book. Um, cool. but if you want like a quick rundown of it, I would recommend listening to our episode on it because I, I go nuts. It's, it changes everything for me on how people are like, Oh yeah. 
Tolkien was a great Christian writer because he didn't put a ton of like Christianity in in uh, the Middle Earth thing, you know. But C.S. Lewis, it was like, oh, Aslan is obviously Jesus, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> it's so <laughs> much deeper than that. You have no freaking idea. So it's it's really really worth it, especially for for you if uh, as a fan of Lewis, as a fan of his um, his sci-fi trilogy. And someone who, from what you just said, like trying to tell your story without without it being explicitly all mm-hmm. the time, it, but and there's layers to it. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I love that stuff. And to be honest, a lot of that hideous strength was a little over my head, and uh, so to dig into that a little bit would probably be really um, helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know that I tried to read it, and I was like, Nah, I'm good. I'm, I don't need which one that hideous strength. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first one, right? Is that, that no, no, it's the third one. Okay. What's the, what's the first silent planet out of the silent planet. I love that one. I read that in, uh, let's see. I was still in more. I I read that in eighth grade. I loved that book. I tried to read that at 22 years old and I was like, no, no. (laughs) And then I loved, uh, Paralandra, both those books. I just loved, loved, loved so much. And then that hideous strength, I started to read it about that time you know like high school early high school i think yeah and i couldn't do it i couldn't get through it it was just too tough and too dry and you know it's a very different book than the first two sure but uh i i think years later i tried it again i couldn't do it again and last year i finally was like i'm gonna read this book if it kills me and i forced myself to read it and let me tell you it was a slog um but it was a it was really good yeah it was like well, of course it was. You... It was C.S. Lewis. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, but, I mean, it could have probably been t- a short story, to be honest. Yeah. It probably. was uh, – but it was so insightful. It was packed with so much insight. Yeah. That uh, just – it was almost like reading the book of Proverbs. Yeah. But if – but Lewis is so much more like – it was like reading the headlines of what's happening and then reading that hideous strength. And it's like, okay, this is – this same thing i just saw this on the news yep you know yeah it's in the same way that like reading 1984 is kind of that way yeah yeah so uh have you have you read the great divorce i have not no highly right there's a lot of loose and that was yet to and that one's short it's very short but i i can tell you now like by page two you're gonna be like oh my god this is there's so much here it's so good Um, yeah, there's a lot. lot I, w- I really want to read that and the problem of pain. Yeah, I think the only loose I've read is I read all of the Narnia series when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Then I graduated to the the space trilogy, and I loved those. And then I read Mere Christianity. Great. Um, I tr- see, I read The Weight of Glory. Mm-hmm. I tried reading Abolition of Man. That was another one that was a little too it's weighty bit, for me yeah, at the time. I think it's a bit much. Yeah, I didn't even I try. The- I just read about it, and I was like, Nah, I'm good. but everybody talks about how amazing it was i think i just read it a little too early before i had any real like life experience yeah or the perspective it takes to really get much out of it yeah um so uh screw tape letters and uh i read that too yeah Yeah. and the and the great divorce is is probably my favorite book of all time cool Uh, i have to read that one yeah and like i said it's short that's probably why it's one of my favorite books Uh, yeah but. I uh, I don't think I've read anything new by Lewis since like I don't know in probably like 15 years because I just 
Well, besides that hideous strength when I finally reread it last right, year. Right, right. But I just kind of like, I don't like the idea of like getting pigeonholed or like, uh, like pigeonholing myself. Yeah. Where I'm influenced by one person. And so naturally yeah. what I'm going to write is going to sound like this one person. So like I'll read Lewis, then I'll read Stephen King, then I'll read like Rothfuss, and I'll read like, you know, Sanderson, mm-hmm. and then I'll read, um, right now I'm reading uh, The Lies of Locke Lamora, but then I am also reading, um, that present darkness by Frank Peretti. So, so I'm good, trying really hard. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying really hard to just like be all over the place on purpose. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm almost tempted to read like a romance because that's one place where I feel like I struggle. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I just probably because I haven't read much romance. Yeah. You know, I never um, finished it, but Emmanuel's Veins, I think, is the the one by Ted Decker and oh, okay. uh, Tosca Lee. Um, that was uh, it was romantic. I think I'm okay. pretty sure. I, again, I didn't finish it, but you could try that. One Ted Decker when I was in high school. I think it was called Obsessed. And I yeah, was that's a big. Was that was fun. his like big big one for a while. Oh, was it? I just yeah. like was in the parable, like the Christian bookstore, and just randomly saw this one. The cover looked cool, and I was like, "This is a Christian book. It looks all dark and <laughs> yeah. like emo." That so was I, his thing, man. So I got it. <laughs> Um, I think that's, that's, you know, like we, we've been going for a while now. I think you and I could talk for like three hours. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't even talk about Merino road or anything yet. <laughs> nothing. I know it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, we'll, no, we'll it's da- not. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have you back on so we can talk about more, but I cool. did want to ask, and I, I, you got your guitar back there. You've talked, I do talked up your music this whole time. And, uh, our listeners, they have no idea. So let do, would you would you play us out so I don't have to play any music? All right, I could play a song. Yeah, I uh, I have like so my band, Oh My Land, which I haven't even talked about this whole time, but that was a big part of my life. We used to we have three albums on Spotify or wherever else you listen to music, and uh, it's called Oh My Land, and we used to tour a lot, my wife and I. And uh, my wife is in the band and sings, but we haven't done anything in a long time. But I've uh, recently been really wanting to record because I have like 10 songs or maybe more that are like solid and ready to go. So um, I think I'll play one of those. So it's not recorded anywhere. It's just uh, this is this is it. it, man. This is the exclusive the, the um, exclusive ghoul debut. gang listening party. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. When I picture you in Mexico It feels like a lifetime ago Just riding through the jungles Just a child I was a child too And everyone around us knew But already we were one soul So we ran in tents and tables And believed in every fable And I felt like petals into you And I played for you a song I wrote Where I could picture you
Make sure you uh, listen. You are listening. You wouldn't be listening to me say listen if you weren't listening. Make sure you go to check out Patrick's work. Um, he has a website, and they can pretty much see everything from your website, right? Yeah, pretty much. PSPatton.com. Yeah, PSPatton.com. Um, he does. He does books. He does music. He uh, will take pictures. He'll. He's got fabrics. Um, I'm pretty sure he saved a cat from a tree earlier today. Um, and, you know, I think he might be the the first uh, billionaire in space for real this time, though. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, man, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you, Tyler. If there's anything I can tell you, it's that the best place to hide is in your mind. It's in your mind.